The Down for Disruption podcast may contain language and subject matter such as trauma, abuse, sexual violence, mental crisis, homelessness, and other sensitive topics that some may find unsettling or offensive. Views expressed by the host are not that of the Alive Network or its affiliates, nor is any commentary a substitute for medical or clinical advice and treatment. Listeners are welcome to explore the opinions and suggestions of any invited expert as they do so choose, but medical recommendations of any kind will not be made by any Alive Network party nor its affiliates. The Alive Network and its affiliates assume no responsibility nor liability for any undue distress or harm one should cause as a result of any spoken or written commentary by either the host or guests that listeners misinterpret or take out of context. We thank you for your support. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Down for Disruption, the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to survive midlife events and a mental health diagnosis. It's a lot, y'all. I am your host, the menopausal misbehave her. AJ Wright's Mental, that's W-R-I-T-E, Mental, here in the Safe Sandbox. We will heal. We will support one another. All of my magnificent melanin ladies and those who you know, feel hopeless or think they're diagnosable, we're going to talk about generational trauma, family dysfunction, accountability, and hold each other's hands. You'll hear from some great therapists on the show. And hey, we're going to take notes and really, really support one another. So climb into the safe sandbox if you can relate. Whether your issue is hot flashes, wild going through bipolar episodes, generalized anxiety about mammogram appointments, hell, dating after divorce and broken vibrators. Listen, down for disruption, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to get educated. We're going to have fun. And hopefully this is a place where you can self-soothe and self-care. Enjoy the show. Nope. You are not losing your mind. You are not losing your mind. Today's episode is titled Thrills, Pills, and Vaginal Spills, Lifestyle, Work, and Dating Despite Mental Illness. This is the next to the last episode in season one. Can you guys believe eight weeks have gone by so quickly? Episode eight, part one. Uh, hey, it, it is what it is, right? And, and and then part two, we'll talk all about meds with uh, renowned psychiatrist, Dr. Tracy Marks. But hey, today I got a good guest for you. I, I know I say that every episode, but but no. Uh, I, what's up with Cali? Everybody I've been finding has been coming out of Cali lately. But like I said, you are not losing your mind. Thrills, pills, and vaginal spill. So. It is what it is, y'all. You know, as I've said before, we're the older ladies, but we're not cold. We're not dried up and useless. And we certainly aren't limited to our diagnosis, even if we are limited in some way by it. I mean, look, we learn to cope, you know, so what? Mental illness, physical illness, learning disability, can't keep up with the times because you're still trying to figure out Windows 98 and all that stuff. Okay, who cares? You know, you are still a woman, sis, okay? And you still have needs just like any other chick. Like I always say, I might be sick, but my vagina still works. 
all of ours, okay? Our lives cannot be consumed by doctor's appointments, trips to the pharmacy, physical therapy, and court. It's, it's, it, it is too much, okay? No wonder why some of us drink. Or, you know, trying to remember everything we learn in therapy when dealing with those godforsaken people down at social security office, for example. Is it just me? I swear some of them folk don't know their asses from a hole in their eye. I mean, if they got to crying, they think it was diarrhea. It, it's just that dash, drastic. Uh, yeah, there there needs to be a new stipulations for people who take government jobs. But no, seriously, we want to live, right, ladies? Who else wants to travel? I don't just want to stay home and not be bothered. I'd much rather not be bothered at someplace tropical, you know, dating, hanging out again. Maybe some of you want to party. Where are all of my offbeat two-steppers? Unite! Look, hell, we survived and we're here. That's reason enough to break out the CeCe Peniston and Force MDs, Love is a House, and Blackstreet Albums. Come on now. Remember what life was like before diagnosis? No meds, no appointments, no pain. I know some of us can't remember. You know what I mean? You didn't need nap snacks and potty breaks just to go around the corner. My God, my truck looks like I'm prepared for Armageddon. Anything I might need while I'm on the road. And I would venture to say that we all, I hope, I'll tell you a story in just a second before we get to our esteemed guest. We can recount at least one memorable lover, right? I'm talking about the good ones, not the one that ended up, you know, in hair loss and a restraining order and some lime and duct tape. Not him, but I, I just mean like the, the legendary goes down in history, should be studied in archive type of D-I-C-K. Woo! Now, see, this would happen. My sexually frustrated, dissatisfied with every species of them on earth in, in, in our pair group, right? You know, try the cougar thing just once when when I was in my late 30s. And I think he was about 24. You know, a cashier I used to flirt with at, at my local grocery store near my old address, right? We locked eyes and talked some good stuff. And next thing I knew, my fast tale, one night stands aren't good, ladies. He was at my door one night with a weapon. Lord, that's where all his food goes because that thing he had swinging need to be registered and locked in the Smithsonian. Hear me. You want to talk about something good. First of all, the brother could poke your eye out with that thing, okay? I won't say as long as my arm is fat as a spray starch can, but close enough. I, I, I had to do a double take. Where are my glasses? I guess, you know, like I said, that's where all his food went. I don't know what happened first. I turned into a cheerleader. <laughs> Give me a D, literally. Okay, then, then transitioned into a gymnast. The next thing I knew, I was looking around for the Coast Guard because, honey, I thought I was drowning. That young man knew what to do and how to do it, honey, okay? We dreamed for some D like that because, you know, I have manners. I thought to return the favor, but... 
But there is such a thing as too wide and too deep to deep throat. Yeah, that that boy had me seeing stars, y'all, planets. I think I saw Neil and Armstrong. Girl, you talking about the sex was cosmic. I mean, intergalactic. I was over here spinning around. I think he think I was stuttering before he showed up. I mean, I got a, a workout and a trip to Woodstock or something because that piece of thing just sent me euphoric. I, I mean, I swear I had never been pleasured like that a day in my life. I mean, ever. What kind of kryptonite are these young men consuming? You know, because the way I see it, a lot of brothers, when they get to our age, you know, they got the pot belly and the prostate, this, and they're not eating well and they can't get it up. And if so, it's about the size of your pinky. Like, sir, I'm not a smoker. I'm not trying to put anything in my mouth. I got the hole between two fingers. Okay, I mean, ladies, is it not rare for a grown man to have grown man's anatomy and knows how to stroke it? Oh, let's just say I woke up pigeon-toed and dehydrated and bow-legged. When, you know, I finally came back down to earth, though, I, I suddenly needed milk and bread, of course. So I first place I had to go was uh, to the grocery store <clears throat> for milk and bread. But I will say this, he acted like he didn't see me. And, and 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 then I started walking towards him and he went into the office. I mean, y'all, I temporarily lost all good sense and self-respect for a hot second. Hell, I think I called my own house and asked for me before I left home. Now you see why I say sperm cells mess up your brain cells. And of course, he never called me again, but that's okay. The men with the bionic D already knows they can have whomever they want. So let's just say, you know, he, he set the standard because um, him... His level, his skill set, his size is my, well, size has always mattered to me, but yeah, that's, that's my standard right now. They know that they can have whoever they want, but that's fine. I'm just saying if I should meet a soulmate with a packaging skill like that, so be it. But you know what, ladies? If not, so be it. They sell them in the stores and they run off Duracell batteries. It's okay. Our worth, I know what our mamas and grandmas and all of them told us. You know, a husband, a husband, a man, a man every five minutes. Our worth is not measured by a relationship status, okay? It's not. And we aren't lacking anything without a romantic partner. I'm just saying it's cool to have one. But if not, we're going to keep breathing. You can have a thriving life, you know, without all of that. Other healthy relationships, you know, uh, supportive folks who will accept you as you are, despite all of the medical compromise that we come with some days. Uh, okay. Headboard breaking sex is great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm need a brother to make a bass drum out of mine, but that's something else. Again, but even without the romance, we can still have a great life as a single woman diagnosed with stuff. So I've rambled enough. Let's hear from today's therapist about how we can, I'm going to copyright this one, reclaim our thrive, right? Despite the medical mayhem and how we can best advocate for ourselves to friends, co-workers, employers, even romantic partners or anyone else. Why? Because I am a person, not a diagnosis. All right, y'all. Okay, so this is where we are. Today, we have, and I hope I'm saying it right. Now, I have a friend named Coyote. I got that part. Dr. Shike Coyote, PhD, and licensed clinical social worker. Did I say it right, Dr. Shike? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Woo! Score. And I want to tell you a little bit about her. Y'all know I love my social workers who are therapists. Again, there is a difference between a dude that sits there and reads, you know, fraud and Carl Jung all day and and just look at you from the text point, textbook uh, point of view or, or you know, the, the literature lens, as I call it. And then there are those who they get the Medicaid and the food stamps and the homelessness and the person who had to sell this money and that money to feed the kids and pay the light bill. Right. And, and just so happens to be a therapist. So this is cool about Dr. Shike. She uh, is a licensed expert mental health media consultant. You know, the, the, the folks who got to go up there on CNN and explain why some of y'all act the way y'all do. And um, she writes and consults for mental health related topics that are often seen in the media. By the way, she is available, you know, for print, audio, video, media. And, and you know, she, she can tell you a little bit more about that. Now, Dr. Shike is a native to Southern California and has spent the last 17 years of her professional life in the mental health field as a licensed clinical social worker. Now, she obtained her PhD in public policy and administration with a specialization in criminal justice in 2017. She specializes in forensic social work and have been provided services throughout the state, uh, have been providing services throughout the state of California for various public and private agencies, you know, the, the, the metropolitan area, Patton, Coaling State Hospitals, as well as San Bernardino and Riverside County. So she's got a footprint. Now, through her career, she's held various roles as well. Everything from forensic expert to trainer, direct service provider, program developer, manager, and director. I told y'all, they, they be making me tired. I feel useless. She has expert level experience working with different populations with severe mental health concerns, including teens and, and young adults, criminal justice involved folks, those who are incompetent to stand trial or, or not guilty by reason of insanity, um, accused and convicted sex offenders, state hospital patients, um, I hope I can say it right. Conservatives, is that right, Dr. Shige? Yes, it is. Okay. Conservatives. Conservatives. L LPS Conservatives. Oh, I can speak big words, mama. Throughout her career, she's gained a wealth of experience and um, specializing in just a few of these topics. This is not exhaustive at all. I'm telling you, 90% of this woman's body weights her brain. Suicide prevention with teens, teen violence prevention and bullying, severe mental illness and psychotic disorders, antisocial personality disorder, as well as mental health training for non-mental health professionals. She is POST certified. So y'all got a good one today. Now, in, in her spare time, wouldn't you know it, Dr. Shike likes watching true crime stories. I'm going to get her opinion in a minute about this lady I saw on Snapped. Free her. She enjoys reading, journaling, decorating her home for every holiday, even the little ones, um, shopping and planning as well. And she likes to hang out with her boo, her husband and, and her children. She is also an enthusiastic basketball mom. So she spends a lot of times when she aren't explaining and diagnosing the people who you know 
put their children over the bridge, cheering on her boys at the gym. So, yeah, she lives out loud. She's living outside of the box. So, you know, as I said, she is a media consultant. So, you know, years after working in the office or in the field, in court, what have you, and enduring a lot of burnout, Dr. Sheikhan knew it was time to make a change, right, y'all? Career transition. Talk about this. She had felt stuck between a, a standard nine to five career path and, you know, her soul really, really yearning for a more meaningful and, and authentic existence that still allowed her to make real social transformative change. So she felt called to create a safe space, not only for her and her sanity, but for others like her, you know, to, to continue to grow in their expertise and to bloom into the best version of themselves as possible. Um, and it is, as she says, and you know, I've told you, we can be the best versions of ourselves so that when we reflect back to our communities, we, we know that we created lasting social change. And Dr. Shike, you know, she has these beliefs in mind and, and started her own private practice and consultation firm as a result in 2017. And at first it was known as FUNN, F-U-N-N, psychotherapy and consultation. But in July 2022, she just left that work, also government work altogether. And, and now she just works full time as a expert media mental health consultant. And she just took some time out of that full time to hang out with us today in the safe sandbox. Sandbox champions, round of applause for Dr. Shike Coyote. Hey! Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to to join the sandbox for a little while. <laughs> yes, because we have to tell these people that we are more than our diagnosis. I meant to wear the shirt for you. I didn't. I'm sorry. So, as y'all know, we're going to jump into some questions here because I, I got some questions. Okay. Dr. Coyote, um, what is the weather over there like? Because, honey, it is hot in North Carolina. <laughs> So you wouldn't believe it, but we've had overcast yesterday and today and actually rained yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yes. So very unusual weather, but um, for, for Southern California, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's uh, overcast, a little bit of sprinkle, a little tropical, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's still warm. We, it's, it's never really cold here. So <laughs> warm ain't the word. I mean, right about now, and, and I'm in, you know, state capital, I'm in Raleigh, we already have five seasons in a week, but this, you stick your head outside, everything on you is going to melt. Okay. And, wow. and it has gone from hot to exhaustion to go get the mail and you're panting for your last breath. Throw me a flag. Wow. So yeah, wow. it's a lot. Thrill, pretty hot. Yes. Thrills, pills, and vaginal spills. I tell y'all what, this is going to be fun. So let's jump into this. Now, like I said, y'all, I coined the term reclaiming your thrive, meaning, you know, getting back to the old you that time before a diagnosis. So can you give the ladies, sandbox champions, are y'all going to write today? Can you give the ladies some actionable steps, maybe a one, two, three, four list, something like that on how to reclaim their former glory, despite trying to manage an unpredictable mental health diagnosis every day? What do you say? Absolutely. 
So that that's definitely big, right? We always want to reclaim our glory. We want to be the best person we can be. So these actionable steps I'm going to give you are for either if you want to reclaim the old person or if you want to become a whole new person, because that's okay too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you want to embody the person that you want to be, whether that's a you know your previous self or a brand new you, but you want to embody who that person is. And so I want you guys to start with uh, using all of your senses to establish who that person is that you want to be. What does that person look like? What type of clothes do they wear? How do they wear their hair? How do they carry themselves? What are personality traits that they have? Are they talkative? Are they introverted? Are they outgoing? So, you know, that that's visual, right? Mm-hmm. Using that, that's okay. one. So then hearing, right? What type of music do they listen to? Do they listen to different podcasts like this one that help, uh, you know, them be the best person they can be? Do they listen to affirmations? Do they listen to uh, particular music? And when do they listen to it for that sense? And then the next one, of course, is feel and touch, right? Mm -hmm. So what do they like to experience on a physical level? It might be uh, this, the person that I want to be sleeps on nice, soft silk sheets. Okay. Or they like to sit in the car with nice leather seats. Or maybe you like something softer, you know, whatever it is. What are those type of things? Uh, next, taste, mm-hmm. right? So what, what type of food does this person eat? You know, what are, you know, do they care about their nutrition? Are they eating certain types of things? You know, just whatever goes along uh, with that. How do they smell? Or what types of smells do they like? Do they keep a certain scent around their home, different fragrance candles? Do they wear a special perfume that makes them feel um, like they're the best person possible? Do they like the smell of a new car? You know, just really figuring out who is this person that we want to be, whether it's the past or a future person, Mm -hmm. really identifying who that person really is. And then using our different senses to get in touch with that and to kind of get, you know, a head start feeling it, experiencing it. And so once you have a good idea on who that person is and the different things they experience in life, now you want to go into different techniques that you can use to really, you know, embody that, to ingrain it into your spirit, into your soul, to your psyche, who you really are. So the first technique you would want to use is visualization. And that can be done in different ways. It can be done through um, like meditating, where you literally sit there, you close your eyes, and you just visualize mm-hmm. that who that person is. You can visualize how it looks to be them, how it feels to be them, different experiences that they have, whatever it is. And if it's getting back to the old you, thinking about those old experiences, when did you feel happiest? What's a really good event or something that happened to you in your life and reliving that in your mind so that you can remember what that feels like, what that experience was like. And then, of course, you're trying to recreate that feeling, that experience in your life. Right. Another tip for visualization that I love are vision boards. I know it's like cliche. Everybody does them. But really, it does two things. One, 
you're taking the time to identify what it is that you want in life, right? And it doesn't have to be superficial. It can be the cars, it can be the money, but it can also be personality traits that you want to take on. It could be experiences that you want to have, maybe traveling to this place or that place. Maybe you want to socialize more. So you visualize yourself with your friends. You put up that picture of you had with your friends hanging out the last time you guys had a great time at the club, right? But those type of visual reminders as well that are, you know, seeping into your subconscious and you're seeing those things over and over to where, you know, you're thinking about it and it's becoming part of you. Oh, another one that I like is journaling. So, you know, as you're thinking about, you know, who is this person that I want to be or go back to, to being, writing that down, right? If you kept an old diary, maybe reading those. If you have old letters, things like that, things that bring up those old feelings and help you remember. Because I think a lot of times we forget, right? We forget how was I that person or or how, you know, how did those things go? What was that experience like? So whatever we can use to help us remember, even old pictures, videos, anything that, you know, brings those memories back to us are always great things. Another thing that I love is affirmations. So once we've decided that we want to go back to who we were or who this new person is, we need to speak those things into existence, right? So we're speaking them to ourselves. We are affirming them to ourselves and to those around us. So say, for example, if you want, you know, I know today is all about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So say you're looking for that next relationship. You want that love in your life. So you're affirming Things to yourself, such as, I deserve to be loved for who I am. I am worthy of being cared for. So just really um, ingraining those things into yourself to where you believe them, and then therefore you act on them. And we'll find that, you know, life brings you what you believe it will bring you. So I love affirmations. That's another big one that I use um, all the time. Mm -hmm. And whatever else you guys can think of. You know, so if this person is lives in a certain type of house or lives in a certain community, go to that community, drive through that community, see see what it is, feel what that feeling is like. If they drive a certain car, go test drive that car. Go see what it feels like to sit in that seat, put your hand on the steering wheel to smell that new car smell, whatever it is, go and experience those things so that they get really sunk into who you are. That is good. Uh, yes. I think those are the main things. I would do those three. I think those three are, are the best um, actual steps. But whatever it is that you can think of, whatever works for you, you know, with everything, there's no right or wrong answer, but that's it. If it's, uh, you know, certain clothes, shoes, go try on those clothes. Go try on those shoes. You know, treat yourself once in a while to whatever it is. If it's a nice meal uh, that makes you feel good, you know, treat yourself to that. Okay. Okay. That's good. And the first thing I can think of is uh, waiting to exhale, right? You, you, you get rid of the baggage, you know, him or whatever the thing is that you're just ready to separate yourself from and start over. And then you cut your hair and then, you know, you find more time with the girls and, you know, you start parenting differently. You do all these things differently, and, and it's okay because what you do with the next situation or the next person, whatever the next thing is, might not be smart to go about it, you know, how you did with the other, you know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I want to know, how does one go about expressing her needs to live as normally as possible when, you know, everyone in her circle is so used to her seeing her sick and depressed, you know, the I'm not my diagnosis crowd, but people are so used to seeing her sick in the breast. Now her saying, stop feeling sorry for me. Don't wait on me hand and foot, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. How does she communicate these new needs to her circle? So just like you said, communication is going to be key. Mm -hmm. I know in my experience, oftentimes, as a woman, we expect other people to be intuitive because we are, right? Mm-hmm. We, we expect our close family members, husbands, kids, parents, whoever we're closest to, to kind of know what it is we need and provide that, know what we don't need, what we don't like, and stay away from those things, mm-hmm. right? But oftentimes we'll find when we really think about it, well, have we verbalized these different wants and don't wants to you know, our family, friends, loved ones. And a lot of times we haven't. And then the other piece of it is, have we verbalized it in a a way that's clear? So I'm going to give you guys a couple of different ways to make sure that you're communicating things verbally in a way that usually research has found tends to work a little better. So one thing that we want to do is always use I statements, right? Make it very clear to the people that you're talking about things that you want and how it pertains to you. So, you know, very simple. I want, I would like, I need, um, you know, those things like that that are very clear and specific to others. The other piece is that often we're very good at saying, I don't want this or no, don't do that. But we're not telling people what we do want them to do instead. So I think oftentimes giving someone an alternative behavior goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. I know I had a client before. Her family was very uh, enmeshed, I guess, to some extent. So she had a lot of family members that were calling her saying, did you take your meds today? And she just could not stand that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what have you, what have you done? You know, like, what, what have you tried to do to get them to not do it? And she's like, I just tell them not to. And for whatever reason, our brain, does, when we say, don't call me or don't ask me how my meds were, our brain really hears, ask me how my meds were. Because we don't take the, our brain doesn't process that one negative word. So when we give a positive action instead that gives the person that's listening something else to do. And therefore it usually hits our brain and our psyche a little different. So I suggested tell your family, you know, I appreciate that you call me frequently to check in on me. Right. Which is fair. Most people probably are okay with, you know, family and close friends calling saying, you know, checking in. But I told her, I said, tell them this instead. What is it that you would like them to do? She's like, I would like them to just say, you know, how's my day? What did I do today? You know, how was work? You know, things like that. But, you know, they don't have to ask me about, did I take my meds every single day? And I said, that's great. That's perfect. So this is what you say to them. I appreciate you guys calling every day to check on me. That lets me know that you care. But it's not useful for you to ask me every day if I took my medications. However, I would like If you asked me how work was today, how things are going with my friends, 
what I'm doing this weekend. So giving them alternative actions. So you're not only telling them, no, I don't want you to do this or say this, but you're also giving them something positive and saying, this is what I want. Okay, that works. Let's switch it to relationships for a hot second. Okay, say that same lady, you know, she's reclaimed her thrive and, you know, she's communicating to others, hey, I have other needs. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to do this new thing and I, I, you know, would like us to relate in um, another kind of way besides you being a nurse and me being a patient. Let's call her Antoinette. Y'all know me in these names. Antoinette got her mojo back, y'all. She's She has a steady job now. She's compliant with meds. Meds are working. She's got reliable transportation. She even earns an impressive livable wage and can't afford to live independently. She doesn't have to live with the nurse anymore. Now, let's say Antoinette meets Alonzo at Barnes and Noble and, and, and she was just smitten. She didn't know what to do with herself. She hasn't dated in five years and she's ready to get back out there. Let's just say that Antoinette's vagina still works. You gotta be a couple things she needs to keep in mind here because Alonzo dates every other weekend. Okay. And he sleeps in on Sundays, whereas Antoinette attends church faithfully almost four days a week. Dr. Shike, what are some things that Antoinette should take into consideration or be mindful as she starts to navigate today's dating scene? It's been five years. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm happy Antoinette's getting back out there. That's number one, right? You just got to get back out there, get back on the horse, right? Mm. I think the thing that's most important to remember right now is that dating is very fluid. You know, those days of kind of uh, trying to label things and putting things in a box, it tends to just be more fluid nowadays, right? That doesn't mean you have to be, but, you know, going into it knowing that this is kind of how it goes. But I think in any relationship, especially a romantic relationship, especially when you're starting, there are certain things that you want to explore, find out, figure out about this person, right? And this is like you said, assuming Antoinette has figured herself out, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't, it's hard to go into a relationship saying what we want if we haven't figured out what what we want or what we're okay with if we haven't figured out what we're actually okay with. So the first thing for any relationship is you want to look at core beliefs. So you want to see, does this person's core beliefs match with mine? Do they go well? They don't have to be exactly the same. But does this person's core beliefs match mine? So, for example, it sounds like Antoinette, religion, faith, church is very important to her, spirituality. For Alonzo, sounds like maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. So that would be something to identify, right? Mm-hmm. And it could be that he's open to having a more significant faith, religious, spiritual life, right? Just because someone isn't actually doing it doesn't mean they're not open to something different. So that's possible too. Another big thing is age and stage in life. And I say stage of life more than even age because you can be a certain age, but that doesn't mean that's where you're at in life. So figuring out if where you're at in life matches with the person that you're dating, the person that you're hoping to have a relationship, right? Um, So for example, Someone who has young children and someone who has older children might consider themselves at a different stage of life. Someone who's retired versus someone who's not, perhaps a different stage of life. So kind of seeing where that's at. You know, so for example, maybe Alonzo sleeps in because 
you know, he's working, you know, 60 hours a week or something crazy like that because he's in a stage of life where working is what you're doing. And maybe Antoinette's in retirement stage. So she has more time to, you know, go to church and do things like that. So looking at the, you know, different things, identifying where the person that's a potential mate is right now and where they're trying to go. Mm -hmm. I think that's most important because you have to deal with where the person is right now, but just because they're here right now doesn't mean they want to stay right here or, or that they're planning on it. Right. So that could be things as far as where they live, career, uh, children, all those different things, you know, where are they now? Where are they trying to go? And obviously what's a priority to them, right? What are the things that are important to them, such as how much time a couple should spend together getting to know each other, how often they should date? Sounds like church, spirituality, things like that. So just finding out what's important to that person and seeing how those things uh, match up. Usually, if two people's core beliefs are similar enough, most of the other things can work out. But, you know, like, so for example, a lot of times two people of two very opposite religions, if those religions are both important to them, it's going to be hard to come together and compromise, mm -hmm. right? But if you, you know, if you're able to agree on those very core beliefs, the other things, there's room to kind of negotiate and find middle ground. That is good. That is good. You know, I always got a smart, sarcastic remark about something, but I'm reminded of Sandbox Champions. If y'all just tuning in, Dr. Shike. Coyote was, you know, telling us some things that it's, it's good to be mindful of if you're getting back out there and the dating scene, you know, of course, after your illness is stable and, you know, you're on meds, you're working, you can take care of yourself. Just some things to be mindful of, because I know today's dating scene is it is infested. I mean, it got bacteria and armpit dust and snot and diseases and Nick cannons and five warrants and all of that stuff. So you, we got to be mindful. But she she gave us a good short list of what to be mindful of, like your core beliefs, just your overall worldview and life that you're anchored in. Um, the the second was you know age and stage of life, and and as she said, age may not be um as big of a deal as stage of life, right? I don't know. Antoinette could be. 45 and resuming her career in the banking industry with reasonably good credit, you know, j just starting over again. Alonzo could be 45 in his mama's basement, you know, manufacturing 20 kilos of weed and waiting for his rap career to take off. That's not going to Alon. You know what I mean? And, and, and then the other thing is um, identifying where a person is in life and most importantly, where they're going. I have heard so many sisters say, I've been with him for three and a half years and he ain't proposed yet. Uh, month one, did you all discuss getting married? Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, you waited for three and a half years and let him lay up and waste your time. But I digress. So, Alonzo, you know, he's very charming. I told y'all Antoinette was just smitten. And he's also very humorous, although his sarcasm is a little dark. In fact, he had explained to Antoinette that he was actually searching for some books about relaxation that day when they bumped into each other in the clearance section at Barnes & Noble. 
a book about specifically how to calm his nerves, because according to him, he needed to come up with another way to relieve stress since his landlord won't let him throw axes at glass bottles in the courtyard. But he was just joking. He's somewhat a concerning <laughs> comedian. Dr. Coyote, can you please give the Sandbox Champions a magna cum laude dissertation about personality types. You know, the, the trickster, love bombing, master manipulator, the gaslighters, you know, all of those. And, and a few examples of some run like hell personality traits or red flags. <laughs> you have the floor. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to say is, we have a lot of these terms that we're seeing everywhere, right? The love bombing, narcissist. I'm going to talk about that one because I, I see that one all the time everywhere. We have the trickster. We have these different, you know, personalities that, you know, the media and things are paying a lot of attention to right now. <laughs> but the first thing I want to say is that we want to use these terms loosely. So I'm going to come back to that mm-hmm. towards the end. And I know your your listeners, your your sandbox champions. I've listened to your other podcasts, and I know they are not the average. Uh, <laughs> they're not the average person when it comes to what they know about mental health and these type of things. I can tell they're much more informed by the you know your topics and the things that you talk about. So, as people, we always want to categorize things and people, right? That's where race comes from. That's where genders come from, that we want to categorize people and we like things to be nice and neat and labeled in boxes. But when it comes to these personality styles, we have to remember that it's not always that clear cut. Mm -hmm. You know, people can be everywhere. People can be all over the place. People can demonstrate one type of personality at the beginning of the relationship. And next thing you know, six months in, eight months in, you're seeing a whole different person, right? And sometimes we see specific actions, but we have to look at where those intentions come with those actions to really get at what is this person's personality as far as this is concerned. So for example, we're, we'll start with love, love bombing, right? Now the kind of pop psychology definition of love bombing is someone who is psychologically and emotionally abusive by basically going above and beyond in the relationship. And often it's it's too much, too fast. So it can be this person showering you with gifts, attention, just whatever it is, right? But the kind of feeling is that it's too much, too soon. I saw um, in a, a little uh, debate on Instagram a few days ago about a lady who said she went on a date with a man one time and he sent her this kind of extravagant self-care basket kind of gift bag type thing. And she felt, you know, this is love bombing right off top, right? Now, we want to be careful because there's so many things that we have to look at. We can look at someone's behavior, but we have to figure out why the person is kind of doing the behavior to really get at if this is a personality trait or what this personality trait actually means. So in this example, you know, somebody sending an elaborate gift basket after a first date could be several things, right? It is a lot. I think we could probably all agree on that, but it could be this, this man could afford that, right? It, it may feel like a lot to us, but possibly it's not a lot to him, right? So we have to think about that as far as gift giving and things like that. It also can come from a different motive. 
So I've seen people with boundary issues and attachment issues who go overboard as soon as they get in relationships. But it's not really to abuse that person or even control them. It speaks more for for their feelings of inadequacy, their history of not being able to have good attachments with people and healthy boundaries and things like that. So it's more about the person who's doing it, not so much the person who's receiving it. So I think it's always important to make sure we look at, you know, people's motives and people's reasons for doing things right. Now, somebody could give you a gift. It could be to control you to do certain things, or it could be because, uh, you know, sometime in their childhood, they learned that love is transactional. So in order to give love, I have to give something. And then you see those type of behaviors. I know another big one is gaslighting, right? And that one is basically emotional abuse that involves the victim questioning their reality or perspective. And usually the abuser is refusing to take blame or accountability for certain actions and things like that. Gaslighting is one that I would say be cautious of. Is it two different perspectives? Does this person really believe that they're right and, you know, they're not, uh, you know, to blame or take accountability? Or are they purposely trying to make you feel a certain way and then therefore act a certain way? So there's the manipulation factor. Sometimes there's people that just never agree on anything. And I've had people come and say, you know, my husband, he's, you know, always gaslighting me and things like that. But when you get down to it, he truly believes that he's right and they just don't agree on certain things. So it's that intention. You know, are they disagreeing with you in order to manipulate you or to get something out of you that you wouldn't normally do or something like that? So I say with all of these, make sure we're looking at the intention of the person. Um, Next, we have the trickster. And Mr. Trickster, he's probably one of the hardest ones to, to identify, right? He's cunning, but that can also come off as humorous. He's unpredictable, which can come off as exciting, right? We all love surprises and and sometimes that banter of kind of back and forth and the chase and being chased, things like that. You know, there's a little bit of that that's normal, but then there's a little bit more where it becomes the trickster is unreliable, right? And that often means he's, he's truly unavailable. But when he is with you, he makes you feel like he's available, he's appropriate, he might even be charming and things like that. But then they disappear. They go off and you don't hear for them several days. Um, So really what the trickster is, is usually unavailable. Uh, The next one, the master manipulator, which kind of all of these can, you know, have there, there's a manipulation component, right? Which is why it's important to look at intent, because ill intent you know, usually means they're trying to manipulate you or, you know, get you to do something or believe something that you wouldn't believe without their manipulation. Master manipulators are basically calculated deceivers. They uh, withhold information. They provide untrue information. So basically lie. The master manipulator can go either way. And the last one that I wanted to talk about was the narcissist. Because I think we see that one a lot. I hear that one a lot. And that one is basically someone who thinks very highly of themselves, but also thinks less of others. They come off very selfish. They come off very self-absorbed. The actual clinical term 
that kind of gets into that is kind of antisocial traits. So they're people who just really don't think about the feelings of others. They're unable to do that. They are only able to really focus on themselves. I do want to say that when we're jumping into relationships and we're getting back out there, I agree, like you said, there's a lot of uh, bacteria out there. The the more fish in the sea, that water is not clean. <laughs> you know, everything is wrong with what swimming. <laughs> so it is it is tough and there is a lot of um, it's a lot of mess out there. But I think what's important, just like we want people to look at us is is why is that person a mess? And I think more often we're going to find that a lot of people are just broken. A lot of people are discouraged. A lot of people didn't learn uh, appropriate social techniques, dating techniques and things like that. They just truly don't know. But I think most of these titles that we give that are negative assume that one, this person is intelligent enough, savvy enough to kind of be this manipulative person or be this trickster and things like that. And most of the time, those type of people aren't even thinking that way. Their intent is not that. They just don't know how to do any better. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a little bit further. That doesn't mean you have to deal with it. But I think, you know, handling people with that same amount of of love and kind of really asking ourselves, why are they like that? You know, just a, a human love type thing, you know, may go a little bit further than wanting to label people based off their behaviors. You know, I would encourage people to look and say, why is this person doing what they're doing? Right. That's, that's good. And I want to, I, I know, uh, um, oh boy, look at the clock. Um, <laughs> a couple of questions I might have to say for next time, but there are two in particular I want to get out of my system. Two things that I think about right quick when, when you say all of that, I heard a minister say something about um, before you can get to know anybody while you're dating, you have to go in their understanding that you need to date this person as a single person and not as a married person. And by that, she meant you are not there to wash his drawers and cook him breakfast in bed and wait on him hand and foot and take half your check to get his business off the ground. And, you know, ma'am, you are not obligated. You're not missus. And I think 50 percent of women, you know, we're just natural nurturers. We want to help how we get ourselves into this mess to begin with. And then the other 50 percent, they want to be wifey so bad. They just figure if they do and do and do, you know, he's going to pick me. I won't say no names, but um, there is a certain so-called relationship expert. You know, everybody call himself an expert who's soon to be ex-wife was on Dear Future Wifey recently. And Leteris j- just said with as, as much respect and as sweet as he could, after nine years, knowing about the cheating stuff, you still said yes. The fact that he proposed is one thing, but you still said yes. Mind you, this was the same woman 20 minutes before in the episode who said, she said to his mama, I don't have another seven years to give. These seven years have been hell, right? And what did she say? Her answer to his question, because I got the ring. I won. He he picked me. No, sweetie. He picked a hundred other people and then was coming home. You did not win because you got the ring. You, you get wifey out of your head and get to know people. Yeah. Speaking of which, for those who um 
I, I want you to address religious women. No faith in particular, but you know, unfortunately, we have a lot of people who lived under systems and <laughs> doctrines and, and and all of these things, and they've been taught to believe. Uh, I, I call it brainwashed a certain way. I'm not throwing nobody under the bus. Because believe it or not, I am a Christian, but I'm 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 not the conservative evangelical, you know, you're gonna burn in hell type of person. And and, and I want you to address the weaponization of words like shame, guilty, you know, unholy, whore, filthy, immoral, you know, all of those descriptors for every little thing. Just tell the sandbox champions there is nothing wrong with them or their bodies, and they're not going to burn in hell, you know, for feeling normal bodily sensations. Let me rant here for just two minutes. Saved or no saved? Okay, y'all remember in episode five how uh, our, our our favorite, our new favorite women's health and maternity specialist Joyce had said, you know, her, her whole ten minute speech about different types of STDs. And I said, yeah, tell folks, even saved and Christian genitalia can also itch and burn, right? Muslim genitalia too. But here's where I'm going with this. Whether you're, you know, saved or no saved, you, you, you pray five times a day towards the east, you bug people on Saturday mornings, leaving watchtowers on their porch or hailing Mary and talking to fathers or what have you, the human vagina still works. And there's nothing filthy or dirty about it. We all have one, right? You didn't do anything wrong if if you just so happen to wake up one day out of the blue. Didn't, didn't have a wet dream or anything. You just wake up and daggone it, your nipples are hard. Or you had an orgasm in your sleep. Or for some oddball reason, no textbook can explain, you get horny at that time of the month. It happens, right? And hell, your clitoris just might start to throb one day on its own and you didn't do nothing but end up the bookcase. Stuff happens. It is anatomy. And, and you're not dirty or sinful for the anatomy God gave you. I mean, hell, eight and nine-year-old boys have erections in their sleep. Why? Who knows? It is just anatomy. So does that erection mean that eight-year-old child is sinful and whorish and hell-bound? Of course not. Our bodies just have a daggone mind of its own. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Talk about the weaponization, right, Dr. Shike? And, and we're women. It's okay. You haven't done anything wrong. Absolutely. So let me start by saying I, I'm a Christian as well. I went to Catholic school until like eighth grade. And uh, Catholicism is one of the most, one of the strictest religions that I've come across as far as women and sexuality and and bodies and, and things along that line. So I, I totally understand, you know, being raised with certain uh, doctrine and certain beliefs and things like that. The number one thing you have to do is unlearn those things. That's number one. Unlearn those things and you have to educate yourself. You know, you need to learn what the truth is, what your body does, what it doesn't do, what's uh, appropriate at, you know, this time of the month, this age range, this and that, you know, just like AJ said, there are, our bodies are our bodies. You know, they do things that they're supposed to do. And maybe at times they're not supposed to, but, you know, we don't have any control over that. So I think we need to also reflect on why we think and feel the ways that we do. 
You know, I think especially if you've grown up in a certain way or you've gone to church and things like that, some of those, you know, these terms, dirty, unholy, these things have come from other people. You know, they necessarily haven't even come from you. So I think at every point, you know, in our adult lives, we have to go back and think, you know, where did I learn this from? Is this something I agree with or I don't agree with? And we have to learn to keep what we think resonates with us, what's correct to us, what's right to us, what makes sense to us. And we have to unlearn those parts that don't. And I think educating ourselves is the most significant way to do that. You know, podcasts like this, other people have great podcasts. There's great books out there. There's information on the internet, you know, really first figuring out why we think and feel what we do and then going back and, you know, researching and finding the answers to the different pieces that we, that we feel like are missing or the things that don't really connect. Mm -hmm. And I think using some of those things, it may be, teaching ourselves to think a different way about those terms, teaching ourselves to think a different way about ourselves, and then communicating that to others so that they make sure they are speaking to us, interacting with us um, on a level that reflects what we believe about ourselves. That's good. That's good. It's, it's, it's funny. Someone put on... Instagram, a meme talking about the things that you should ask some guy and people, you know, that you just met, right? And people had all of these questions that were hilarious. And it was a dating coach out of, I want to say somewhere in Arizona. And she said, yeah, here's a, a, a good one to ask him. You say you're not with your wife. Is your not, wife not with you either? <laughs> I said, yeah, that is a good one. Um, or especially about past STDs. Y'all have heard me say it before. The first date, we're going to the clinic. I don't care what you, what you promised me, some confirmation you said you got from big Jesus and baby Jesus or, you know, whatever it is. Um, as far as past STDs, you know, you say you're not involved with anyone, you know, and, and, and no one is involved with you, but did they leave you in a certain package? When the last time you got tested? Okay, so I I think about stuff like that. The first date, we're going to the clinic. I don't care how celibate you are, how celibate I am. You don't know what's swirling around in there. The the results of those tests will determine whether we, you know, or not that we even have a second date, you know. So it's, it's, I encourage people, it's your body, speak up. You know, and I, I know it's, it's folks, they've been on pew their whole life. They don't know what we out here talking about. That's why I love to talk to other professionals, whether they're clinicians or nurses or whomever, who also love Jesus. So people will get that out of their head. I, we can't talk about that. Why not? If it affects you, you can open your mouth and talk about it. Dr. Shike, did you come across any websites or anything that you know, speak to our people? about what's going on out here with all these diseases. Yes. And um, it is bad. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> that water that's dirty is contagious. Child, is about toxic as that stuff over there in Flint. Oh, we only got 10 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So let me go over some of these stats that I found that I thought were very interesting. Some of that I did not even know myself. So from 2014 to 2018, 
in the African-American community, gonorrhea went up 164%. Wow. Syphilis went up 120%. And chlamydia went up 86%. And that's in the African-American community. Wow. Black women are five times higher rated uh, to get chlamydia. Mm. Five times. And... African-Americans in general are 7.7 times more likely to be diagnosed with gonorrhea. Mm. In 2019, African-Americans made up 42% of new HIV cases. So what that means is stay safe, that it is out there, it is happening in large numbers, and safety has to be a number one. You have a right to keep yourself safe, both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And you have the right to kind of, you know, to really know what you're getting yourself into. Right. Mm -hmm. I think like your idea, you know, um, everybody needs to go to the clinic, uh, you know, quickly. Right. And routinely, because this is, you know, it's physical safety. Mm -hmm. You know, just as you, you keep yourself safe. Otherwise, you lock your doors at night. You, uh, you know, don't allow strange people into your home. Uh, you know, you watch your back when you're out in the streets. You know, this is really no different than keeping yourself physically safe mm-hmm. as well as emotionally safe by not knowing that you're at risk for something. Yeah. What website did, did that come from? Or, or if you can give us a, a website that the Sandbox Champions can go and do some further reading. CDC is the best one. Okay. And they're very specific, too. So you can uh, search, uh, you know, African-American community. You can search uh, specific age groups. You can search specific STDs mm-hmm. if you want to know. Okay. Uh, but the CDC is the best one. OK, cool. And this last question here, I'm going to do a little fun um, scenario, but. Uh, the last thing I'll say about STDs is this, especially for people who don't feel comfortable talking about something. They might think it's rude to ask a man that, like, hey, nobody's paying me attention every year. I, I mean, all year, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take the chance of him running off by asking him something personal. Sis, it's your life. Let me put it like this. There are a lot of virgins, right, currently infected. Because it doesn't have to penetrate for you, you know, to be infected with something. There are a lot of women who only had that one partner and I waited till marriage and yada, yada, yada. Guess what? At the prenatal appointment, they found out they're infected because the old boy never said nothing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've asked this question before. I love asking this question. Dr. Shike, how should Antoinette go about telling Alonzo about her diagnoses and at which juncture? Is it like right away, the first day, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let's, let's take a, a couple of minutes and just have some fun. I'll be Alonzo and then you can be Antoinette. Mind you, Antoinette, this girl got it all. She's got borderline personality. She's got bipolar disorder, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD. I mean, this girl got more alphabets than the Campbell soup can. But, you know, she's sure of herself and, and she's got confidence now and her, her job and everything. So, yeah, when should she say something? We over here at Olive Garden having a good conversation. Okay. So there is no right or wrong answer, number one. That's number one. I encourage women. I encourage people 
we have to remember that we are the ones who allow people access to us. Mm -hmm. And I think we should never lose sight of that, right? We shouldn't be scared to lose access to people or whatever. We are the prize, right? You are the prize. So number one, it's whenever you feel comfortable. Okay. I've seen people, I know people who they feel comfortable on the first day. You know, they, they may joke about it or, you know, throw in little bits here and there, but, you know, they're comfortable with it. You know, they, they, that's part of their truth. They, you know, have embodied that, whatever, however you want to say it, they feel comfortable enough to say things very early on. Right. And I think we all know people like that, that are just very comfortable with themselves. They don't mind saying whatever, whenever. Mm -hmm. So there's those type of people. I think probably the only kind of right-ish answer to this would be that you want to probably at least start bringing up these things when things start to get serious. Mm -hmm. So I personally probably would not suggest, you know, first date is probably not the time. It's probably not necessary, but, you know, depending on how the relationship goes, you also want to, and, and I don't think this just about diagnosis and mental illness, but I think if there's people that you're just getting to know, you don't have to share every part of yourself with those people. You know, it not even just pertaining to your diagnosis. It could be your family history. I know like when I was dating, I didn't always disclose necessarily where I work, you know, and things like that. You know, just because you're getting to know somebody, you don't know if this person is necessarily somebody that you want to have all this information, especially if you end up disconnecting and not dating. And, you know, now extra people know things about you that you may not want them to know. But when things start to get serious, I would say that's probably a good time to kind of, you know, go down that road. If things get really serious, I look at that kind of like health, too. So, you know, if you're you know, thinking about getting married or having children, you know, these are things that, you know, you want to disclose medical and physical diagnosis along with mental health diagnosis, you know, things like that, because that can, you know, affect the relationship later. Mm -hmm. It can affect children that you have, you know, things like that. So I think that's basically the summary when you're comfortable, Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely probably when things start to get serious. Okay, cool. And you know, I, yeah, and not only as a, a former patient and a, uh, a health educator and things, I'm one of these folks who don't mind, you know, telling it all if I think it can help someone. And folks going to find out anyway, even if you don't have a social media, chances are if they Google you, they're going to find something. So it's, it's no point in being a dishonest um, because people already have, you know, their preconceived notions when they hear the words mental health or mental, like, OK, mm-hmm. she, she crazy. And, you know. And if they have that in their head, there's nothing you're going to do to talk them out of it. I happen to like being different, you know, uh, where are all my weirdos? If you know what, clap your hands. Okay. I tend to attract the people who march to the beat of their own drum and everywhere from Naples to Nutbush, they've been put out of better places than this, you know, the bull in a China shop type folks. But what makes you different can also get you paid. Okay, and makes you unique and you can leverage that gift. So when I say things like tell us how we can, you know, leverage or, you know, just put out there, make useful our functional limitations. And people might say, well, AJ, how is that possible? I'm limited. (laughs) 
show you an example. I pretty much got kicked out of a program on a graduate level at UNC for numerous reasons. I was told everything from, you know, my scenarios and the word problems were unrealistic because they were fantastical for a government program and had too much storybook whimsy. I was told by those old white males that I am underprepared for graduate coursework. Got my grad degree last May. And my writing and, you know, technical and analytical writing is subpar. You know, I I heard it all. But I took that and just found outlets where creative writing is welcomed, right? So since then, after being told I couldn't cut it, I used the bachelor's that got me into that master's program to teach on social media, right? I've sent freelance for blogs. I published a memoir. I've even got paid gigs for writing disability advocacy projects. So you can make good out of what people used to judge. You see what I'm saying? Medium.com is, is, is a great website. It's not just unpublished authors. It could be published authors. And all you do, you get an account with a login and a password, and you can't copy and paste there. You got to type original works. You know, it's, it's really good. And you can attach it to your PayPal and people can leave you a tip. You know what I mean? I have, a, I have a couple pieces on Medium right now, but Shameless plug. If you go to medium.com, search my my given name, and it is Ajay, A-G-Y-E-I, Ekundayo, E like Edward, K like Kite, U-N-D as in Nancy, excuse me, D as in David, A-Y-O, E-K-U-N as in Nancy, D as in David, A-Y-O. And I have a piece on there called In Spite Of. And that's everything we've been talking about this hour. Like, look, take me as I am, but understand, you know, such and such and such and such. So, um, yeah, Dr. Shike, go ahead and take us home and let us know some ways that we can leverage our, you know, differences or limitations or whatever. So the first thing I want to point out, I thought it was very interesting that some of the things and we'll use you as an example since you just gave us a lot. You gave us some really good things. You said that you've been told that you're talkative, unrealistic, which I later heard the next word was fantastical, whimsy, and inquisitive. Those are wonderful traits. So oftentimes what people around us do is they take things that aren't even bad, but now they add these negative connotations to mm-hmm. them. So the first thing that we have to do is reframe those things. So I hear those are gifts. You know, sometimes we look at disabilities or things that are difficult for us or what have you, but we all have gifts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're tied to different things that they've been labeled a certain way. So if you have ADHD, you might be talkative, right? Because those two things kind of go hand in hand. But being talkative can be a gift. Mm -hmm. That can be great. There's podcast people, there's radio host people, there's TV people that I'm sure that's what they, uh, they're all their teachers probably wrote talkative, mm-hmm. talks too much or something like that. That doesn't mean that you can, you can't be successful and it doesn't mean that you won't be successful. Right. But I think first we have to make sure that it's not uh, limiting ourselves. Mm-hmm. So reframing that into something positive mm-hmm. into, yes, I am talkative, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And oftentimes we think that it's a bad thing because we're using it in the wrong space, which is exactly what you said. 
And the key to that is not necessarily changing who we are, because some of those things, you can't really change them no matter what, right? There's no pill for that. There's no drug for that. And they're not things that need to be changed anyway. What needs to change is the environment in which we were trying to utilize those gifts. So if you're being undervalued somewhere, people are not understanding who you are or what you have and what you bring to the table. Oftentimes that means we need to change the table that we're at. Right. Not changes. We need to change that table that we're sitting at. Right. And I think just like everything else, like you're, you know, we're talking about mental illness and things like that today, having a diagnosis, that is a component of who you are. That's not the whole picture of you. That's not the fullness of who you are. So I say take caution with even how we label ourselves, right? And we kind of talked about that earlier, how we're labeling people that we come across and labeling their their behaviors and their actions. But we have to give ourselves the same grace and same love and know that we're just all here doing this human experience and being humans and take your gifts to where they're valued. For stopping by the sandbox, Dr. She Can. Y'all, I keep going back and forth with her name because she's on Instagram as Dr. She Can. I think something like that. And that was my final question because y'all know I, I, I do the same couple of things at the very end. Are you taking new patients and do you offer telehealth? I actually am not taking new patients right now. Mm-hmm. I do do telehealth. I'm going to open my books up again in late September. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you said you're not uh, taking new patients, but just FYI, what insurances do you accept? And do you offer any kind of -of out-of-pocket or sliding fee scale options? Um, It depends on the contractor that I'm with. I'm licensed only for the state of California. So that's one. So if you live in California, um, you know, there's a possibility that I can get you in on my books. But if you're outside of California, you have to wait. I'm working on getting licensed in some other states as well. Mm -hmm. I take a variety of insurances Mm -hmm. through uh, the agency that I work with. Mm -hmm. And when I open my books up again in September, those will be listed on my website, Mm -hmm. which is Dr. Dot shy k s h i k a y, and um, I'll probably post it on like my social media, Instagram, and everything under the same. Okay, okay, and um, I, I was so you know just wrapped up in what you were saying, I, I forgot to you know do our little snippet today, but I can squeeze in something right quick. Now I already said IG. How could the Sandbox Champions find you on social media? Social media on Instagram, I'm under. Uh, I'm also on TikTok. If you put in Dr. Nashira Kayode, it's uh, N-A-S-H-I-R-A and then Kayode, K-A-Y-O-D-E. And I should come up on there as well. Okay. Um, one thing I did want to address really, really quickly, and this is just the advocate in me. Uh, and I, y'all, I've been saying Dr. Shike ever since I found her on Instagram. And she just said it's 50 something minutes in Shike. Is that what you say it? Yes. Yeah. Dr. Shike. Yes. I'm sorry. Coyote. But just as far as, you know, and I asked this question to every clinician that comes to the sandbox, you know, how can folks better advocate for themselves, especially as women that, you, you know, we could go to the pain specialist for our, our big toe. Right. And, and, and 
somebody's going to see, oh, she has mental health diagnosis. Maybe she's pill shopping or, or how do we communicate, you know, advocate for ourselves and let people know that, yeah, I have this thing, but I'm also, you know, this person and I'm also that person. I bring so much to the table and not, you know, asking people just to validate us, but more so, you know, how do we just speak up for ourselves, for those who've been told to be quiet and, you know, your opinion is not welcomed and, you know, made to feel like they don't have a voice, whether it's about illness or not. Let the sandbox champions understand it is okay to speak for themselves. You know, they have agency over their minds and opinions and whatnot. And and it's okay if they, you know, want to challenge something or they have to, to ask or, or get better um, clarification about things. And that does not, especially as black women, make us unreasonable or, or difficult or, or combative. We just want to know. Yes. So I actually have gone through a, a serious medical mental health situation in my own family recently where advocating for yourself medically came up over and over again. So if you don't follow me, follow me because I'm going to be getting into this whole advocacy piece big time. The number one thing is absolutely your voice matters. You are over you. Nobody knows you better than you, period. I think a lot of times, like we've said, those labels, we've been shamed, especially as Black women. We have feel like we have to fight that, um, you know, angry black woman or, you know, the over talkative black woman or the strong black woman. We have to undo those type of narratives and things like that. But when it comes to your mental health, when it comes to your physical health, medical, especially you have to advocate for yourself. So I say do it anyway. It will be uncomfortable. It will not feel but do it anyway, because your life, your safety and so many other things may literally be on the line and you don't even know it. Right. And that's what I'm going to be getting into in the next few weeks on my social media. You just never really know. And it's better to be safe than sorry. This person isn't listening to you. Go to the other one. Go find somebody else that is going to listen to you. Keep going until you find that person that's going to listen to you. If you have to uh, use complaint systems, if you have to reach out to other agencies to help advocate for you, or to file complaints to make sure you get what it is you need, do whatever it is you have to do. Period. That is good. That is good. I, I, yeah. Some hospitals here in the state of North Carolina, they don't like me. And, and you know, I, I already knew that going in, but I just so happened to get a copy of some medical records. They'll let you have the medical, medical ones. They don't want you to have the psych ones. And their BS excuse is always, well, there's terminology you might not understand. And some things might cause you to have a flashback. No, y'all just lie too darn much. Okay. Yes. I can tell you as a mental health professional, that has nothing to do with it. Right. That has nothing to do with whether you understand these terms or not, whatever, whatever. The bottom line is these systems are not functioning how they should be. Right, right. I'm going to tell you that now. If you think that the doctors are doing what they're supposed to be doing, if you think that that nurse is doing what they're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, the system is operating how they're supposed to, and therefore your needs will get met simply by going through the steps that they have identified in their system. You do not want to be wrong. Right, right. Because being wrong 
can cost you so many things. Mm -hmm. So keep advocating. Yes. To keep advocating, keep getting your needs met. Don't take no for an answer. You go up to the next step, do that, file a complaint. In my personal situation, just a little sneak peek, my situation was with Kaiser. They probably know me by name. (laughs) Point. The whole system. (laughs) So I'm not even telling you guys to do something that I haven't done myself because I'm doing it right now. Don't stop. Get your needs met. If it doesn't feel right to you, keep going until it does. Keep talking. Keep asking questions. Keep talking to people. Keep going until it does. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Shike. See, now I got to undo it. Because you didn't tell me not one time in the last hour. That ain't how you say, I'm sorry. Dr. Shike. Okay. Y'all heard from Dr. Shike. Go find her. Same way as it sounds. S-H-I-K-A-Y on IG. I mean, the sister is good. So let me end this before the editor comes and chase me out of here with a stick. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Another day of healing on the books, my sandbox champions. We did it, ladies. Did y'all enjoy today's episode? Hey, listen, shoot me an email at lowercase letter I disrupt at disruption.buzz. I disrupt at disruption.buzz. Of course, we're starting a buzz. I'd love to hear from each and every last one of y'all. Now, again, while I... AJ, do not give clinical advice. We we do welcome your feedback here about the show. Any thoughts on, you know, how you're currently healing or adjusting the diagnosis? Anything you want to share? Maybe a, a testimony or anything like that? Or heck, maybe just one event. Look, AJ, I get it. Life is lifing, right? Perhaps you've already started some type of uh, self-repair routine that you want to share, okay, let us know. And and where are my generational curse breakers? <laughs> Y'all better pull up. Anybody having that tough conversation with mama or somebody else who looked the other way? Breathe. I get it. I get it. And we are all in the safe sandbox to heal together. Be sure to subscribe to Down for Disruption on the Alive podcast app on iOS and Android, where you can support this podcast monthly and and share your favorite moments there as well. Follow Down for Disruption on Instagram at Down for Disruption. Once again, the Down for Disruption podcast is the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to manage midlife while battling a mental health diagnosis. We are out here, ladies. Thank you so much for your time as usual. I had a blast. I am your favorite menopausal misbehavior. AJ Wright Mental, that's W-R-I-T-E Mental. See you in the sandbox next Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Have a good Saturday, y'all. Bye-bye.